Bang! Bang, bang, bing, bing, bang! Do you like guns? This is Jackie. Different pacing and tone, same great cola flavor. I'm Justin. Wait, the Lost City of Gold is in Eldorado? This is in... Ap I'm Sam, and this is Ellen Quartermain in the Lost City of Gold that's in Africa on Stinker Madness. What's that smell? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty as fuck. Thirsty, thirsty, thirsty as fuck. Hey, look at me! Thrill me. If you come back in here, I'm gonna hit you with so many rides, you're gonna beg for a left. Thrill me. Beg for a left. Thrill me. Welcome to this show called Stinker Madness. Uh, this week on the podcast, we got a follow-up to last week starring uh, Richard Chamberlain and Sharon Stone again. The dynamic team that they are uh, with some other surprises. Um, called Alan Quartermain and Lost City Gold, currently streaming on Amazon Prime from 1986. Take it away, Sam. They shot this concurrently with the... First one, as alleged, J. Uh -huh. Lee Thompson being the director of the first one. You can tell they made a major gear change when you're watching this to go, we let that last one get a little too loosey-goosey. Yeah. And this one is a lot more under control, especially the shooting. This one seems like the last one, it wasn't they had bad cameras or anything. They just had built so much stuff and done so much zany business. They were able to, it was like trying to cage lightning. They couldn't ever really get the camera to do anything but point at the shit that was happening. They weren't doing a lot of really good shots like they did in this one. Right. Uh, the director that they brought on to sort of clean up the product production is now making his second appearance, I believe, because he... He left Disney in a sort of bad way with uh, the black hole. Okay. Speaking of the black hole, uh, this was a black hole for one-liners. Definitely not the same, you know, oh, yeah. pizzazz of the one-liners in this yeah, one. Yeah, they, they toned down. Other than one where Alan Quartermain pulls out a one-liner after having somebody die in his house. He's very callous about his friend dying, <laughs> but but you know there there was a, a lot less one liners. He had he still had zingers. They were just he, they were a lot less uh, or a lot more subdued. Say like his brother later will be like, "Can you ever see? Have you ever seen people cohabitating like this anywhere else in the world?" And he just goes, "Well, Cleveland, right? Yeah, I mean they're there. They're just there's they're." Toned down a little bit. He did this music doesn't stop and he doesn't look at the camera and take off his sunglasses and say, looks like he'll be playing dead chess. Yeah. No, he doesn't do that. Uh, Gary Nelson's the director that they brought on and he is just a studio guy. Oh, I love him in fist of the North star. That's not the same guy. That's huh. Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Wait, no, it's not Jeff. Gary Daniels, <laughs> Jeff Daniels, Gary Nelson. Gary, Gary Daniels, famed star of the, the Squid and the Whale. Yeah, he, Nelson he was Van Sant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, his sort of big one that he did with Disney was Freaky Friday. 
but mm. he does like when you need somebody to come in and kind of run a tight ship, mm-hmm. that's where Gary Nelson comes in. He's just a studio man. And, you know, you read a lot about this on the internet and the first one. And, and most of the information they have is about the first one, not so much this one. So I just sort of piece together what I think happened by doing the dumbest thing anyone that's a film historian could ever do and read the credits. Right. Um, there was only four credited stuntmen in the Zimbabwe unit for this film, and there was four times that many at the Culver City unit. So this one was pretty much shot in L.A., and mm-hmm. they used what they could of the J. Lee Thompson stuff. But for the most part, this was its own production, meaning that really there's no way to tell what these two fucking things cost when you put them together, because this thing was shot in LA for the most part. They did have a lot of location shooting, which they had to go back with a different director to get pickups and second unit stuff. That's not cheap. And then they did a studio production in one of the more expensive studio spaces in LA. And it went ahead and made $3.8 million at the box office, which means it tanked. It fucking Uh tanked. Yeah, it definitely cost more than that. And... You wonder, because they really did clean up the production on this one, that was it A, that people actually liked how dumb the first one was, and they were a little disappointed that that this one wasn't that dumb? Or was it that the first one was so dumb no one had any interest in seeing this one? Yeah, it's hard to to say. I'm leaning towards the the second, the latter, that like people actually thought it was dumb and didn't care how fun it was. It was just so outrageously stupid versus anything they'd else they'd ever seen in... uh, Richard Chamberlain, they're expecting this is, you know, going to be up for awards. It's got Richard Chamberlain in it. Right. No, it's crap. Cannon put it out. There's no chance that it's going to be good. (laughs) Uh, I also wonder if maybe they undercut the marketing budget uh, over the first one, you know, because they they clearly had contracts. If they if they did shoot this concurrently, uh, they had to shoot it even after the first one they look at on the dailies and they're like, boy, this is fucking dumb. Uh, so they go, they go out and shoot this. They rush it. They don't even do new music. They just reuse the score. Uh, and it, it almost seems like they added in some silly business in the middle that didn't fit with any of the other stuff that's going on. Um, that was much more fit, would fit in the first one, but doesn't fit with the tone of this one. Uh, and then they're like, okay, deal's done. Fuck it. It's, it's on the floor. Let's not spend any more money on this shit. Yeah. That's exactly where it's at. You have Jaylee Thompson's crew is going to go with him to death wish for. Mm-hmm. So now all of the sudden you were looking at a situation that Sharon Stone was going to get fired. They peed in her bathtub. Right. And now you have the two common threads that are really working on this one and the last one are Quintana, the writer, who she's going to work with again in the Police Academy sequels, and Chamberlain. And so they, I mean, who knows that they saved their job, but they were both going to be direct with studios, like with whoever the, if it was Lerner was the producer for the first one, he's probably with J. Lee Thompson at this point. Mm -hmm. So whoever the line producer and the site producer are and the exec, they're like, we're not going to get what she's giving if we change. Right. Like what she's get, we're not getting this from anyone else. And maybe she was a pain in the ass, but I think she learned a lesson and she's better in this one. Yeah, she is. But her, her role is significantly diminished as well. There is a, she does a lot less in this film than she does. I would, I would almost say that probably she has half the lines in this one than she did in the first one. Yeah. Thank you. Where are you on Sharon Stone? 
I've never been a Sharon Stone fan. Okay. I'm not talking about in general, but um, in this movie. But, you know, in this movie, that same really awesome chemistry is there between her and Richard Chamberlain, which I completely think helps to make this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. She seemed more um, girly. Uh, oh, that's not the right word. Um, helpless this time around. Whereas in the first one, you know, she's she's kind of got some cojones going in, right? She's like, I got to find my dad. Yeah, she's brave. She's yeah. still a klutz. But this one, uh, it wasn't so much about being klutzy as mm-hmm. much as it was, save me, good man. Yeah. And I'm like, no. In the first one, you were just accidentally get him hit in the head with the statue right. and stuff, right? <laughs> but like in this one, it was just she was weak and kind of dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it, her role was significantly diminished. The same time, they did make efforts to make her seem like she was part of the team through the dialogue and some of the other things that are happening. Is that you know, Quarterman's like, no, I need my archaeologist on this one. Yeah, she. So she, yeah, they, there's a point where they they want to keep it sort of the helpless blonde, but at the same time, they're also like, oh no, they're they're a team, they're a unit. They can't really exist without each other anymore. And had mm-hmm. the third one got made, it's really would have been more about that, like. He's going to shoot everything. She's going to figure it out and get into trouble. But one without the other is like salt without pepper. It just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's too, I, it, it, it is my one regret in life that there was no Alan Quartermain three should have happened. Like, I, yes, I know you would have lost a lot of money, but seriously, can't you just look beyond that and think about the children specifically one uh, named me in 1987. Come on guys. Hello. <laughs> And like you're hemorrhaging money on these other pictures, so why the fuck not a third yeah. one? Yeah, give us give us another classic. Give us a trilogy instead of a duology. I'm assuming that they would have, but I bet Chamberlain wasn't really on board anymore. Prob- probably not. He in his uh, one of his memoirs, he was saying his mother was like, you know, they should have billed this as a comedy, and I didn't know that that when these came out, they were billed as like, no, this is straight up going to be Indiana Jones, and that's a huge mistake. Yeah. And, you know, really, they they could do it. They could give us still? a third one still <laughs> because Chamberlain's still alive, right. as I reported in our previous podcast. And, yeah, it would be a little geriatric, uh-huh. but, you know, maybe they had Adventure Kids. Yeah. Oh, the Adventure Kids. No. No, the Adventure works. Kids is the worst. That's why yeah. I haven't watched Bill and Ted's yet. I was like, I'm so excited. And they're like, oh, by the way, it's Adventure Kids. And I was like, going to wait on that. Yeah, gonna it, it, wait on. Anybody that. remember Indiana Jones four? I know we've all tried to forget. You know, and the other thing is, is that even if they didn't make it Adventure Kids, they could go on like one last crusade where they both die in each other's arms in a volcano. Mm. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get back to we'll circle back to this at the end because I have a very poignant question that uh, all kind of fits into this plan. So. Uh, Sam, you got anything else? Uh, we got an e-gotter on this one. We got an e-gotter. No kidding. Yep. James Earl Jones. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Did you he- notice? I'm going to talk about this for a little bit. James Earl Jones is like straight up, okay, this is fucking horse shit. I've been in these two sword movies, and I don't get to be the fucking sword guy. Right. So I'm going to fucking be this. Oh, I am the master at arms, James uh-huh. Earl Jones, which he should. Because these other people are like one of them. They're both bodybuilders, right? Right. The guy that gets to be in the suit is a bodybuilder. And then Schwaz is a bodybuilder. And he's a fucking army ranger. 
Yeah. He's not a small dude either. James Earl Jones a is a big, big guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, there's lots of like almost blend over as well with this one, like Beastmaster. There's a very similar film set in both of these formula and both James Earl Jones and uh, the dad from uh, McDowell's. God damn it. What is his name? Not Sam. Uh, John Ames. John, John yeah, Ames. John Amos. Yeah, they're, they're like, Amos. no, I'm going to fucking be a badass tough guy in this movie. That's what's going to happen. I'm not doing, I'm not going to be somebody's dad again, okay? Yeah, I'm not a snake wizard. I will straight up whip your ass. He even <laughs> later in the, like, three quarters of the way through, says a line almost directly from Conan about now taste the gift of steel. And it's like, you put, that was not written, sir. <laughs> you you took a shot at Conan too, didn't you? And yes, yeah. you should have, because Conan too stinks. Yeah, it does. You were gonna say something about James Earl Jones? I was. You know, I don't care. Every movie I've ever seen him in, he really just gives it his all. And oh, in he's, this one, he's a he's a what, what, a presence on stage. Oh yeah, definitely. And in this one, he he was kind of the action guy mm-hmm. in this film. I mean, more than Quartermain. Uh, I felt I thought so too. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how heavy that axe was. Well, <laughs> probably not real heavy. No, I mean I know, no. but I mean, he's a badass. In yeah. This movie. Well, I mean we can, we can't really determine because there's one shot where James Earl Jones picks up a guy and chucks him, and I'm pretty sure it's James Earl Jones picking up a guy and throwing him. So maybe I mean I don't. Eh. He was an army ranger and he's huge. Yeah, he picks up a, a guy over his head and throws he, him. He's a tough fucking guy. Like, who knows if oh, that was a small guy or not? But in the shot, it was going to be hard to fake with wire work. He either threw a large child or a small man into a river. Only one person on this podcast has thrown a human further, and that his name is literally Stan the Man Chucking Man. So, you know, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure there was wire work involved in that one, as his legs are coming off in the lava. No, no, that's really how Stan is, Jackie. He's just that much of a man chucker. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> world record in chucking men uh stand the man uh, all right uh let's get into this i think all right yeah i think we're all kind of chomping at the bit to talk yeah um so this movie starts out very much like danton uh never hunt a man but in the jungle because there's a dude getting hunted and he looks like that fat guy from deadly prey with his clothes all ripped up like hey i've seen this <laughs> Yeah, the the beginning of this movie is kind of I don't really know how to explain this because you know it's it's very split story, right? That's mm-hmm. happening all at the same time. But we're cutting back and forth between this guy getting right. chased and Sharon Stone getting a package. Yeah. And at first I was like, dude, there is so much action in the first 2 minutes of this film. But not near as much as for as of action as in the first one. Um, because it pretty much hits the gas pedal immediately in the first one. This one builds up a little, but where Quartermain and uh, Jesse Houston are is they now live together in, well, I mean, they're fucking rich as shit. Like, let's just put it that way. They had those giant diamonds. They clearly sold those to somebody in Antwerp, and uh, now they're fucking bazillionaires. Those diamonds ended up in somebody's, like the, the Prince of India's crown. They seem like they also have a small village of people that just helps them with things. Yeah, the help. Uh, 
things are going so well on their ranch that he's in the middle of Africa just shooting food. Yeah, just shooting food. <laughs> he's like, hey, kids like tomatoes? I'm going to blow the hell out of these ones. It's okay. There's more. So hungry. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Paul. I mean, like he's using humans to catapult vegetables into the sky. <laughs> and then shooting them. What a dick. <laughs> well, you know, later on, the kid that had to be on the top of the other kid's shoulders that jumped down on the board, he's going to have knee problems. Right, right. And he's going to be like, do you remember when you were like five and I made you jump off that other kid? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, My parents died last week from starvation and AIDS. So cool story, Alan Quartermain, you fuck. <laughs> And it kind of seems like they've been here for a while because they've got this great big house mm-hmm. with all these books and, and belongings, mm-hmm. right? And the village, it's kind of a weird thing because the village, like, they've got grass and, you know, it's all nice looking. Yeah. And then if you pan over, like, 20 feet, <laughs> it's like huts and shit. Like, uh-huh. Huh, okay. But they also have a pet ostrich. This is the first thing that caught my attention in the film. Like, oh, my God, they've got a pet ostrich. And it was just in the background as he's shooting food, right? Like, yeah, there's an ostrich back there. He never really plays out at all, the pet ostrich. <laughs> like, you gotta, when you have an ostrich in your movie, he's gotta do something. Well, he did get a close up. Right. That's it. He doesn't actually they, do anything. Like, he should be the butler or something. Yeah. The problem is, is that you have an ostrich in your movie and you want it to do something. The one thing that it will do is attack humans. Yeah. Yeah. It will beat the fuck out of you uh, and then stick its head in the sand. Um, yeah, so, so they're doing pretty good, uh, with these blood diamonds that they've pawned off and, uh, the, uh, dude comes running in, uh, oh, uh, we should mention that before that happens there, Jesse wants to go to the United States to get married and Quartermain's like, okay, he's begrudging about it. He's poopy about getting married and having to wear a dumb suit instead of his sweaty shirt. I don't think that he's begrudging about getting married. He just doesn't want to wear the suit. And go to the United States. Yeah, it's not, let's just go, he wants to go down to the Justice of the Peace and, uh, you know, have some elaborate tribal ceremony, I'm assuming, because he's, you know, Alan Quartermain, he's in Africa and probably a little racist, uh, whereas she wants to go see her family in the U.S. So. She's also gotten let out her full professor fetish there's talk in the first one about how she was in college and then first chance she gets to dress him up it's like oh you got a thing for old guys all the way because you're marrying one and you're gonna make Mm -hmm. him dress like an older guy than he already is yeah yeah his suit sucks i'm just gonna get that out there it looks really dumb what i thought this suit was awesome i would totally buy you one it's knickerbockers knickerbockers are really stupid looking I don't know. I thought he looked very dashing. I like the pattern. It's just you're wearing shorts. That's what they are. Knickers are shorts. You can't you can't take somebody seriously in shorts. The knickers are bad, but the above the waist sort of below the chest built in coat belt is the worst. Belt coat belts <laughs> are bad. Yep. Quite bad. Uh, he mostly needed like a little hat. A matching hat and he would have gone out and played a game of polo and you also can't take anybody seriously that plays polo so like no <laughs> okay so uh she comes home uh and is talking to him and he does this cheesy horse jump like hey life is so fun i've got a cram adventure in anywhere i can 
and then the dude shows up, the hunted man, runs up. He's getting chased by some some dudes in white hoods, which is questionable. Uh, we'll get into more questionable white uh, decisions later. Um, and uh, so Alan Quarterman goes and chases after him, but he doesn't have his gun because he's in a silly suit. So he has to fight this dude that he catches using his suit as a weapon. <laughs> Which I'm sure he was real broken up about. Yeah. Oh, that was he fun. also, instead of catching him, just throws him off of a cliff uh-huh. where he, the light guy lands harmlessly into water and then runs off and he's like, fuck. Oh, wait, look, he left a clue. I did it perfectly again. Yes, I'm Alan Quartermain. Yes, to plan. Yeah, he, he left behind his knife, so he picks up his knife and brings it back. Uh, the Hunted Man, I don't even know what this guy's name is. Uh, all, a lot of the dialogue in this is mumbo-jumbo, but uh, he essentially tells uh, Alan Quartermain that, that him and Alan Quartermain's brother went to go look for the Lost City of Gold with some other dude, and he this guy got chased back, and so now Alan Quartermain's like, oh, oh, well, I must find my brother. Right. Yeah, his his brothers, his best friends, gotten back, and his brothers at large. Mm-hmm. And so he tells her the tale of the lost city of gold. That there is this myth that there's a city of gold with a race of white people that live magic of it. white people, magic white people, very Aryan looking. Uh huh. In the middle of Africa. Yeah. Okay. All right. So but that's where they all the people come from the magic white people. Yeah, that ruled Africa. Queen of Sheba. And every other continent. Yeah. Oh, so this is like so this that's even worse, Sam. Oh yeah. Cause then well, you're saying the that problem. they're like the master race. Yeah, that's the problem. That's why like nobody could ever find these things that are probably there because they're one link that they have together to these mystic treasures was that oh it was the magic indigenous white people who well if you looked through history a little bit better and found some maps that are actually real you might find some of this shit yeah right <laughs> okay oh boy yeah i'm not a big fan of the the white people of africa being the master race that sucks um so she looks at this quarter that she found on him that has Phoenician writing on it, and he's call it a quarter. Yeah, it was a quarter, dude. It was a gold coin. Yeah, it's probably a quarter of a dollar, whatever their currency system is. Okay, I don't know. It's a coin, <laughs> quarter coin. You're making it sound like. And George Washington was on one side <laughs> in 1959. This thing was printed, but she was very suspicious because in this movie, it's only like 1928. And God, we trust. Is that some sort of secret message? And then Nick Cage busts in and's like, "Hell yeah, it is." Uh, so it's got Phoenician writing on it. The knife handle's got Phoenician writing on it. So they're like, "That's curious." I don't know if that ever comes out. Does that play out at all? I no, not really. I guess if it's Phoenician, then you talk to Swarma. They're gonna do that later. Yeah, and it has the Egyptian sun on it. Okay, all right. So, and it does kind of come up because when they're uh, later, when they're adventuring, mm-hmm. they find other Phoenician writing. Okay, 
What does it all mean, though? Uh, they never talk about that. Okay. It's just, hey, guess what? We found a city of gold with Venetian writing. Yeah. Venetian blinds. Then we're in a cave and we find Venetian writing. You know, it's not Venetian, Jackie. That's people from Venice. It's Phoenician. Like fun? Haha. No, like phonetics. Like where our la- <laughs> language comes from. <laughs> is the, we have the Phoenician alphabet. Is uh, my boo bitches. Continue. Okay. <laughs> uh, great. All right. So hooked on phonics works for Jackie. Uh, so th- these guys come back. They the intruders. They sneak into the the house. They grab the knife. They go and they kill the guy with his own bug net. And Alan Quartermain is then making jokes about. Yeah, he his says. Death. Net Zero was an alternative <laughs> to America Online, but they both sucked. <laughs> Nothing but net, dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you got it wrapped around your neck. The, he literally does. That's not. That's not a David Caruso one-liner, Jackie. That's just saying what you see. <laughs> oh, God damn it! Okay, I'm not as funny as I think I am today. Okay, I'm trying that real man hard. That is here. dead. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that guy suffocated. <laughs> well, what I don't understand is that, that, you know, the assassins have their knives out, right. but then they rip down a perfectly good mosquito net and right. strangle him. Like, like, oh, dude, that's just wasteful. Yeah, you guys don't know no. how knives work. They're just hoping to take the next guy with him via malaria. <laughs> yeah, right. It's by ruining that net. Yeah, <laughs> they play the long game. Okay, so... They go into town. Uh, they see this trader guy, or a quarter man goes into town. He sees this trader guy who sells him literally a mithril shirt. Yeah. Uh, we made that joke in the first one, but this is 100% a mithril shirt. He also doesn't ever get the mithril shirt. He just has it later because right. this guy tries to sell it to him, uh-huh. won't take any money, and then wa- runs off. And I'm like, and he like parks his donkey. And I was like, if you run your business like this, you're going to lose your ass. Because you mean, just left it in the street, like your whole donkey and your car are unattended. Right. Yes, and Quartermain is completely disinterested in this mithril shirt that is proven right in front of him to be the shirt of wonders. The man stabs himself in this tummy, not penetrating. It's, it's such a rad shirt that it doesn't just not penetrate the shirt. It actually bends the knife. And Quartermain's like, eh, I would be, I'd be like, I'm an adventurer or an adventurer, I need 50 of these fucking shirts. I'll take them all. He's only got one. I, do you have a hat, a mithril hat? What about a mithril cod piece? I got to, you know, I'd want, if you got mithril shirt, like sew me up, sew me up some mithril underwears, please. I got to, you know. I, yeah, I'm going to go mithril everywhere except for my eyes and my mouth. I might still do that. Like, give me a mithril mask. Like, just, why not? <laughs> you can see through it? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Ah. I'm invincible, but I can't see shit. Bonk. <laughs> Bonk. <laughs> Fucking <To> wall. <laughs> Which way? <laughs> Somebody point me. You're just, you're essentially blinking from Robin Hood Men and Dice. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Only you can't be killed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... Ah, uh, blinking. Okay, so <laughs> uh, they find this guy named Swarma, 
who I guess the brother went to first, and Swarma's like, yeah, he kind of went that way. He says some mumbo-jumbo. Like, a lot of what Swarma says also doesn't make sense throughout the entire movie, but I guess it's enough to get Alan Quartermain started on where to go. Yes. Swarma doesn't really make a lot of sense. No. Because he's like, oh, hide back here. This guy's on to us. And then he comes in, and then Swarma tells him everything he needs to know right. for free. Right. What is Swarma's job? He's supposed to be a holy man, but I'm pretty sure that eventually he's just going to burn himself to the ground. Oh, yeah. He is a candle aficionado. Yeah. Like, they're everywhere. Like, more so, more candles. Is it Beastmaster that has the candle room, or is that uh, Red Sonia? That's Red Sonia. Yeah, more candles. More a smaller room with more candles than Red Sonia. And uh I'd just like to say that he's probably stealing those candles from a church. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad guy. Okay. So uh Jesse elsewhere is very pissed that the wedding is delayed because Alan Quartermain is gonna go find his brother. She's like, Well, what about me? He's like, My brother might be dead. I literally have to go try to save him. But the wedding and the caterer, he's like, fuck the caterer. Let the cake melt, you bitch. Yeah. Plus, your dad is an adventurer, too, and I've got money on it that he doesn't show up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just too good of a, a treasure map to pass up. Mm -hmm. She'll understand. Yeah, she'll understand. She'll get over it. So she's like, fine. I'm still going to the U.S. He's like, fine, I'm going to go save someone's life that I care about. Well, lives, because his best friends are out there, too. Yeah, right. Uh, and I also like that apparently they live on the mo world's most dangerous road because she's, she's taken George, the guy, I don't know what George's job is, and is driving him to the United States, I think. Uh, I think it's just so that somebody else can drive the car back after oh, she gets okay. on the boat. All right. They don't have. It's like when you drop somebody off at the airport. They don't have parking spaces at the boat. Well, no. She's going to be gone for months. They're rich. You can't rent a something. Gotta... They don't have rental cars back then. Got to send George. They instead have a small village of help. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> How's the cotton growing, guys? Ugh. And the ostrich is like, close up, Mr. DeVille. <laughs> okay. Uh, she almost kills George. It's pretty funny. George might be my favorite character in this whole movie. <laughs> 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 and then she changes her mind and uh, lets him drive. And she's headed back to help Alan Quartermain while throwing off all of her clothes, that she, your, her wedding clothes and into her adventure clothes. Implying that George then crashes the car and kills them both as he stares at her naked body. <laughs> ah, well, there's that possibility. I thought that the the storytellers were really trying to say that she's she's left a life of convenience for a life of adventure. She's made up her mind right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she wherever wherever she, Alan Quartermain is, she will be home. So shall she. Unfortunately, she died in a fiery accident as they drove off a cliff. I also. Uh... Like when we cut to her finally getting back to Quartermain, mm -hmm. she's got the best camel toe leather pants. Where did she get these leather pants? Were they because did she stop someplace? 
because she stripped off her clothes in the car and then the next thing we see her in is leather pants implying that she was going to take leather pants to the united states no she's just putting on a show she packed up for the adventure she's you know calling his bluff so to speak and then he's like oh i guess it's not a bluff Good thing I was actually going that way anyway. Mm, I see. Yep. Okie dokie. All right. So in town, uh, Alan Quartermain has bumped into James Earl Jones' character, whose name is Un- Umslopagus. Yep. Umslopagus. That's not a good one. <laughs> yeah. They really should have just called him the Axe Man. Yeah. Or Gus. Or, you know, even give him a cool tribal name like Stentar. But Umslopagus? That's a bad name. <laughs> like, Abubu was, you know, cute at least from the first one. <laughs> Umslopagus? So, uh, yeah, see if I can get that name right uh, the next time I talk about him. Uh, he almost kills him, too. He's got his big axe. And he's like, ha, 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 did you miss me? What? I haven't seen you forever. Well, then I shall swing this axe directly at your face. Ha, 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 ha. Well, at well, least it that... triggers his memory. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hey, I remember you. <laughs> it was a very much a moment of, gee, I'm sorry. You guys all look alike. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. See, I was taking it the happy direction that before Jesse... Alan Quartermain was just blind drunk shooting his way through Africa. And <laughs> one of the only guys that killed him, he was almost killed. He was like, oh, I remember you, man. I drank a lot back then. Like yeah, a exactly. lot. <laughs> All right. So uh, Swarma wants to get involved, too. He's going to join the gang and, and uh, go find the Lost City. But uh, they hear Jesse screaming because immediately while getting off the boat, uh, she has been kidnapped. As is tradition with her. Yeah, it's kind of a sex trade type thing. Mm, that's what I think. And then it happens again later. Like, man, what is with these people and Sharon Stone and pilfering her booty? Uh, so he he goes and rescues her, and that's when James Earl Jones throws a man. But not before she throws a... I love this, because she throws a basket. It's full of snakes. Mm-hmm. And then she's yelling, attack! Attack! <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fun. And then... Uh, Quartermain comes up behind him and hits him, right? Mm-hmm. And he falls on the snakes. Meanwhile, this guy is being bitten to death, mm-hmm. and he's going to die. And they're having a makeout session while basically standing on him while he's laying on top of snakes. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey, I knew you'd come back. <laughs> I go wherever you go. And a man is underneath them going, ow, you're on me. Ow. And the snakes are like, eat shit. Yeah. You're yeah. on us. Thanks for biting his face. <laughs> <laughs> As they make out. Okay. Uh, so they set off. They have a fairly lengthy walking sequence. Uh, they've recruited some help townies to help them carry their shit. No, these are James Earl Jones's guys. Oh, okay. All right. I'm not going to try to say. Umpalupagus? Yeah. Okay. Snuffleupagus? Yeah, right. That's okay. the problem is that it, it it's... It rhymes with Snuffleupagus, so it's a bad name. It's a bad name. If you're out there writing, and you're writing character names, which is fun to come up with character names, if it rhymes with with Snuffleupagus, waste basket. (laughs) Toss that one out. Top tip. Yep. (laughs) We should write a book on this stuff, Sam. 
How to not fuck up your screenplay. It's three pages. Sam says, bad names. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now $20 at your local bookstore. Uh, so I don't know if you noticed this, Sam, but along the way during their walking montage, Smarma totally smashes his balls on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, so when they're crossing over and he's trying to get on the flat rock uh-huh. that everybody else just jumps over, right? Yeah. Um, He totally smashes his balls. And when he thinks he's out of frame, he grabs his nuts, like, just <laughs> as he's walking out of frame. He, he lifts himself up onto a rock using his bag as a fulcrum. <laughs> it's, it's not good. Not how you do that one, buddy. <laughs> Okay, so they make it to this place called Telpora, and it's basically just a trench, like a walled-off trench for some reason. I don't know why they're going there. It makes it easier to find if the path is just a trench that only has one way out, I guess. Yeah, but they it's not like they go to the end of the trench. Something happens in there, and they're like, all right, well, we've got the answer. Now we know where to go. They went to Telpora... To find a clue that just happens to be there. Like, it's really weird. But essentially, it's a big trap. There's a gold yeah. emblem with a river and a sun. And so they now they know that they need to go to the river and go down it. Uh, and But it's a big death trap. You pull the emblem. The floor splits open. Guys fall in it. All your shit goes down to this bottomless pit. You fall into it, but you catch yourself on a rope or a root or something, and your wife dangles from your leg. Meanwhile, a corpse has slid out Ooh, of the this wall. Is, this is one of his friends. What? Yeah, he says, oh my God, it's so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And then that and guy's then, face explodes. Yeah. And that guy's face comes apart. I, how did he know that? That guy was grody. Like, oh, I recognize his decaying flesh. No, you don't. There's nothing left. His face just came apart. How are you not puking? And then something comes out of his mouth. But yeah. then he falls... It, he falls to into the bottom of the pit before we can figure it out. He barfs. The dead guy's face comes off, and then he barfs. He's like, oh, man, that's gross when your face comes off. <laughs> Aren't Especially you guys going to barf? No? All right. No? Huh. I can't even see my own face come off. It's pretty gross. I uh, um, Okay. So then he shoots the gold emblem, causing the floor to come back together, and they climb out just in time for his legs to not get smashed. Probably Meanwhile, sh- we've lost three of our helpers and mm-hmm. all of our supplies. Right. Right. <sighs> all right. So uh, so they row up the river, and they find some tribesmen. And these tribesmen, do we know what they, they're called? Like the Let's just call them the Asahi guys. That's what Jackie called them. <laughs> Because uh, it's like a Schwabi or something, but they're the yeah. Asahi guys. Yeah, and, and I really like how they've got the the boats, you know, figured out. Because all of the main characters are in one boat, mm-hmm. and then all of the red shirt Star Trek right. guys right. are in the other boats. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, these Asahi guys, they take one look at Sharon Stone and say, you must give her to us as a toll for using our river. And uh, Alan Quartermain's like, how about some pots and some necklaces instead? And they're like, unga bunga, they yell something, and then they just row off. And they're like, okay, what? What the fuck just happened there? I thought they were 
they were gonna like have to kill him or something. But nothing, nothing happens. Huh. Well, don't wait, is this where they try to stab Quarterman yet? No, they 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 fall asleep in the canoe. They they got to get out of their territory, uh, and that's when they're attacked underwater. The the Asahi guys come up. They've been underwater for I don't know a few hours, just sitting there. Yep, and we've lost some red shirt guys. Yeah, yep, they're dead. It's a major game of numbers for both sides because half of the guys that are doing their makeshift scuba attack are being mm-hmm. eaten by hippos. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, probably should have just gone with the spears from the banks, you know, just throw maybe arrows, I don't know, not get in the water of death. I mean, piranhas. Well, no, that's in the Amazon. Uh, what else they got in Africa that lives in rivers? Uh, uh, snakes. Crocodiles. Crocogators. Snakes. Velociraptors. No. Predator. A predator, yeah. I do believe that he does like the jungle. Xenomorphs. Giardia. <laughs> Poverty. <laughs> okay. Um, so they, a bunch, they kill a bunch of those guys, and they row up the river, and the entire river is blocked by, by more Asahi guys, including the main Asahi guy. And uh, then Alan Quartermain gets speared in the chest, but he's got oh, the Mithril wait, 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 shirt wait. on. No, 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 you're skipping Before, a major, major plot yeah. element, Jackie. This is where we see Mr. Jones uh-huh. turn into the biggest oh, badass God. ever. It's so where stupid. he is spinning his axe and he is deflecting all of the all of Incoming the spears. spears, like he's a fucking Jedi. Yeah, it is fucking rad. And he's doing uh, it all like, eat shit, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's eat shit number one to the Jedi. I also, I have this, I have a sword in Destiny that does this. It's called Whirling Blade. It is de- a defense. You can you can block with it like that. After seeing him do it, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I feel awesome when I do it, but now I'm like, yeah, that's just dumb. <laughs> it's, it's pretty dumb. Um, okay, so so he gets stabbed in the chest, but his mithril shirt blocks the spear, and so the Asahi guys are like, they think he's some sort of white devil, and he is. Uh, but they so they let him pass. Nice. <laughs> well, it was either that or they were going to commit genocide. Right. I mean, they came pretty close. They shot a lot of those dudes. Yeah, he's got a rifle that he's just loading up bam 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 and in the previous one he had uh unlimited ammo i caught nine bullets before he had a reload so he on the rifle it. no on the on the pistol i still haven't figured out what gun that is i feel like it's a 38 and that wouldn't be a nine shot but there were nine shot revolvers out there yeah no it's a i think it's a 38 long barrel the joker it gun. looks like it's a colt but i don't want to say that out loud i just did oh well uh, edit, please, is what you're supposed to say. And I go, no, ha, 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 I have the power of the editor. Yeah, I know. You're going to make me look like an idiot, so I don't even yeah. bother with that. Well. I'm, I'm the one that said yeah. it. I, I I'm, did that myself. Sir. I'm making him look like an idiot. Uh-huh. Yeah, see how he fucking bl- puts the blame elsewhere for his own words. Hey, man, you're supposed mm. to be editing out our stupid shit, and <laughs> you're just like, nope, I'm leaving it in there. You sound like a racist piece of shit. Actually, I've got a filter in Audition that actually adds things that you guys say to make you look even more stupid. It's like Photoshop, but for, for editing. Uh. Like, I can I can put a metaphorical your fly is down in the podcast. Make you look stupid, and your shirt's coming through it. You know, it's a metaphorical. 
for okay. All right, uh, it's your foot in a bucket. Um, so those guys are dead. Uh, and they end up going past them, and the next day they end up in a log ride, uh, very re- reminiscent of Splash Mountain. It looks it's a fun. Bit, yeah, and this, this is kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Only there's giant, non-deadly grubs. This is where I say the film makes a massive shift back to the stupidity of the first one, because this cave of death, the tunnel of doom, as it were, is bonkers. Well, the mat work sucks. Oh, it's so bad. And everyone was killed by a stalactite. Yeah. Yeah, none of them made it. Because <laughs> uh, they were like right there by the river, and there's no way you're getting that canoe around that one. When the end of the log ride ends, they go, well, we lost one of the guys, one of our guys, and the only thing that was dangerous was stalactites, so it's clear that that guy took a stalactite to the face. Yeah. He well, didn't duck fast enough. At the end of the log ride, there's just a giant fire geyser. Well, there's more than that, Sam. There's a dead body. There's the water has now turned into acid, I think, because it's boiling yeah. and bubbling. It's just hot. Okay, it's just hot. All right. It looks like acid. You can't that doesn't work when you have when you put dry ice over water and make it bubble and oh, that means it's hot. No. It just skip the dry ice part. Um and then there's this body that floats up, and I'm like, is that the guy that took the stalactite? Who, whose body is this? He looks pretty bloated, like he's been there for... What the hell just happened? That's the giant non-deadly grub. I it don't really know what else to call out it. Of it a just guy- squirts out of that guy's mouth, hops in the boat, and is like, hey, guys. And they're like, ew, gross, get out of here. And he's like, see you later. Yeah, Quartermain hits Smarma in the face with it. <laughs> Smarma's like... And chucks it out of the boat. Like if if Alan Quartermain hit me in the face with a non deadly belly grub, I would probably punch him. Like I would lose my fucking shit, and I would I would attack that man. Yeah, I'd probably be like, "Thank you. This is an undiscovered grub." Yeah, and then I'd wrap it in a t shirt and be like, "You're my little grub. <laughs> I love you, little grub." I'll hug and you and squeeze you it. and name you George. Yep, and I would feed it little crackers and shit be awesome you can drive my car back from the airport the other george yeah uh yeah and then there's the fire geyser oh this thing was cool it was fucking really cool sam how much do you think the fire geyser cost oh fuck a lot i don't know two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. probably this was a massive waste of money <laughs> <laughs> Because it is huge, and it is just massive. Like, it looks like the back of a fucking space shuttle. The flames coming out of one of those things. Like, how much gasoline did you guys burn? There's, I think, it might be a miniature. But either way, none of this was cheap. Um, And there's a guy in the boat, and it tells you why you don't want to go boating without a paddle. Yeah, right. Is that they try to row around it, which is apparently really hard and it shouldn't be. Uh-huh. Uh, this guy's just like, oh, well, I had a good run. <laughs> I'm just going to head straight for it very slowly. Very, yeah, this is... very slowly. Yeah, this is our final red shirt, guys. Yep. <laughs> he just goes right into the fire geyser. I... 
Yeah, and then they show uh, uh, him on fire behind it, like, oh, my God, like he's doing some kind of dance move. He's doing the floss behind it, like, yeah, (laughs) I'm in this movie. And now Quartermain's boat, I guess, is slowly drifting closer to it because the shots don't line up with anything because it's all mat work. And so he then uses his gun to shoot at the cave ceiling and a rock falls into the water. And when the rock falls into the water, it makes a huge splash. But when we cut to them getting pushed away by the wake from this, it's a very light ripple. that just kind of. <laughs> it also doesn't redirect them or stop the fire geyser. So it doesn't do anything. I thought it, it was just... going to plug up the fire geyser. That's what I would think, too. I'm like, oh, it's going to plug. And I, we've seen this before. That's how yeah. exciting this movie is, is you forget everything that happens. Uh, uh, you would think it block, it, it plugs it up or something, but it, it does nothing. They actually it, just did the good work paddling and they're going to be okay. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, everybody is dying of heat stroke on the boat yeah, and passing out. right, because it's so hot. Uh. But at least Sharon Stone, Jesse, is more robust than the holy man. Yeah. Swarma. Swarma. All right, so they they get pushed into this cave. They get out of the boat. Uh, They're still marching along, and Jessie falls into a hole. The ground just swallows her up, and she slides down into this other chamber in the cave where there's gold and one of the bros, the dead friend. Yep. Dead friend. Up top, there's a problem because they're being attacked by cave worms. They look like... They look like dragon slugs, right? I liked them. <laughs> yeah, like the like the four mouth head thing. They're graboids. The, yeah, they yeah they kind of look like mini graboids, but like cooler looking somehow. Without the attachment to the mass of the major graboid body. Right. Yeah. And uh, Snuffleupagus is just chopping heads with his axe. As well as holding the security rope and pulling people up at the yeah, same time. Right. <laughs> it, this guy is just badass number two right here. He is much cooler than a boo-boo. <laughs> Why didn't you call him the first time, Alan Quartermain? This guy actually does something rather than just use you. <laughs> uh, so they get to a bottomless pit and they have to jump over it, a bottomless chasm, and none of these people know how to jump. Every single one of them takes a running start, except for Shwarma. He does even worse. And they take a running start, and then they stop right before they jump. No. Mid-stride, you assholes. And Smarma doesn't even take a running start. He just bunny hops over it and doesn't make it. And it's like three feet. Right. <laughs> it's not even a big gap. <laughs> eh, it's pretty funny. Um, and then a lion fucking comes out of nowhere, a cave lion, I guess, and attacks him. And Alan Quartermain seriously puts an entire clip into this lion. And then there's like this moment where they all feel really bad for killing the lion. I do too. Like, I do. Hey. It's, like, it's a majestic creature. I'm, I'm really sorry I had to do that. Why had it guys- just been a human, I would have definitely killed it faster. Oh, yeah, I'll shoot it a lot, but seriously, why did you guys put a lion in this movie? A cave lion? Like, get, put another monster right here. Well, and I like how the lion is really awesome looking, right? Mm-hmm. But then when they show the dead body of the lion, it has mange. Yeah, it's a bad looking dummy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's got patches of hair missing, uh-huh. and you're like, oh, 
Not the same lion. No, not well, not even a lion no. at all, Jackie. <laughs> I'm not putting it past Quarterman Man to have figured out how to like dynamite tip his rounds though. <laughs> his dynamite ass with dynamite everywhere. It doesn't that would not surprise me. Yeah. Good. You know, good that's point. true, Sam. We haven't seen any dynamite up to this point. Uh, that that I've mentioned, I don't think. Yeah. No, I don't think there's been any dynamite up to the lion attack in the cave. Yeah. Well, maybe he's just more efficient with it this time and we go with Sam's theory. Uh, there's also giant bats in this cave that turn into smaller bats later. But, uh, yeah. So they get let out. They finally exit the cave, uh, which leads to a huge waterfall and a lava river and, in the distance, the lost city of gold. The They make it out of the cave, and then Quartermain turns to Jesse and goes, Jesse, I think we passed it because we're at the beginning of the last movie. <laughs> Because that shot of Victoria Falls is like the opening shot of the last movie with the rainbow and all. Uh-huh. That's what I said. Yep. I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure this is the first part of the last movie. So we rode the the log ride of doom into the came, cave of space and time. Interesting. That is one wild Disney ride. All right. So they just walk up to the city of gold. Like, what's the deal with that lava river? Nothing there you guys are going to do? Okay. Well, they have to heat up the gold so that they can make stuff. Huh. Well, it just seems very safe for them to go past the waterfall, beyond the lava river, and just walk straight up to... I mean, adventure finds these people, and this seems like a pretty good position to be in for finding adventure but nope they just skip over that and walk right up to the lost city of gold this seems like a really good opportunity to push shawarma in yeah exactly i'm just saying he tripped yeah whoopsie uh i also like that go ahead you don't need him anymore you found it and he's he's dead weight yeah he's dead weight the lost city of gold doesn't look more so much like what you would expect a lost city of gold to look like it more looks like a colombian drug dealer's giant house Yes. It's just white. It's not even it's, gold. I want to accuse it of being the same house at the end of uh, American Ninja, but I can't because there's too much work done to it. Yeah. And then they shoot it a lot to make to make allusions to the Conan movie later. Mm, yeah. Especially with the staircase. Yeah. Uh, there's a lion that attacks them. I don't know if it's the same lion or what, but uh, James Earl Jones tussles with it, and uh, then Quartermain blows it away as well and they're the peasants rejoice they saved a kid's life but they're just doing lions left and right in this movie man so the townies welcome them they go lead them up to the temple and uh they meet uh the brother the brother's there hooray reunited all right the movie's over you found your brother no there's this is just halfway through the fucking movie the sequel to this movie happens within this movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, Ellen Quartermain's brother is a total douche. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, no, you would have died in the jungle within the first three days. Yeah. There is no fucking way you made it this far. You are a California surfer that fell back asswards into this place. Uh, did anybody else catch, like, uh, like, like, kind of like a sex cult vibe from this place? Like... Like, uh, what's that uh, city on the edge of forever in Star Trek? No, that's not the one. The one where Wesley Crusher joins uh, a, a sex cult on a planet uh, or that town in She or basically yeah. the entire movie of Zardoz. Like, get that vibe? 
Yeah. It was well, it was actually, weird I got because... a different vibe. Because it's supposed to have been like this city's been lost for thousands of years, and they're still completely ethnically segregated. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, There's I noticed that too. There's something weird going on here. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're all blonde. There's no brown-haired white people. They're all blonde. Right. And then um, the black people are very dark. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it's just, it was very much, we got to keep the races pure. Yeah. And then- And it was weird. We make, the only time we leave town is when we head down to that Ivory Coast to do a little buy-in, if you catch my meaning- yeah, burn this town to the ground. <laughs> and it was weird because, like, I was trying to look at the costumes at this point mm-hmm. and see if there was a difference between white people costumes and black people costumes mm-hmm. uh, to see if there was, like, a social difference between the two of them. And there wasn't. I mean, all the women had the great big gold line head belts. Mm-hmm. All the men and children had the same outfit. So I was like, well, at least they did that right. Yeah, they didn't fuck up the... Or imply serious problems in the lost city of gold morally right there. That one thing. But I think that <laughs> later when we see people gardening, it's only the black people. Uh-huh. That's what I thought, too. Icky. Uh, hey, you guys know who uh, Alan Quartermain's brother is? Mm-mm. Richard Chamberlain's actual lover. They're his uh, oh. soulmate. His... Martin Rabbit. That's the guy. Yeah. So that's the one I was talking about last time. Mm-hmm. I I didn't see any pictures of him, so I didn't realize that that was him. Yeah. He's, he's just me, or does he seem like a few years younger? Eh, who cares? Like like maybe 15. You know, really, when you become an adult, who the fuck cares? Rock the cradle of love. Like, after you die, I'm really hoping I can get a, Rock like, cradle of love. somebody who's younger. <laughs> it's the chamber of love. <laughs> Hey, wait, are you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like, after you die, because I'm an outlive you, let's just face it. <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, all right, uh, you're 20? That's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'll be like, oh, my God, your generation fucks everything up. And then I'll be like, oh, my God, I sound like a fucking old person. The Get kid, out of my house. The kids these days have no respect. Um, okay, so uh, there, they are led to the temple where... The new villain of the movie comes out, Aegon. Or Henry Silva. Played by Henry Silva. Henry Silva's in this movie? And then Henry's like, yeah, also, I'm an 11. (laughs) And I've got two wigs. Yeah, right? Because depending on which scene it is, it's a darker wig and much more fluffy. They called Richard Lynch first and he declined. (laughs) All right. So he, <laughs> his deal is his name is Aegon, uh, so he's a Targaryen, which is kind of weird. Um, and uh, he was an ex-criminal guy, like a like a racketeer. I think. I think he's a smuggler of some yeah. kind. And so he found the lost city of gold because he was capable of doing that and making it through the cave of death. Uh, and uh, it was like, hey, you guys seem like you got a pretty good thing going on here, but you need to be careful about the spooky ghosts and the angry gods and the tornadoes and the fire of Do- Mount Doom. Uh, Sauron is coming. And they're like, oh, my God, we need to listen to this guy. So then he's like, okay, so I'll help, but you got to give me all your gold. And I'm going to then ship it down to those Ivory Coast guys that I was talking about earlier. 
Oh, and human sacrifice is now on the table. Yeah, we can do that too. Yep. yep, yep because yep. I don't like that guy's stink eye right there. He, he is the first one that's mm-hmm, fucking going. Mm-hmm. He's that guy smells bad. You're next. When was shower time later? Because you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. So there's a bunch a of garbled dialogue, and I have no idea what they're talking about, but gold and sacrifice and magic and whatever else. And mm-hmm. uh, this is Aegon. He's sort of the sheriff of town, but now you got to meet the two queens. Yeah. And you're like, here's two the two queens. queens. And you're like, what the fuck? Cassandra Peterson's in this movie? Huh. Which one was that? Cassandra Peterson? The one with... you. You got to know Cassandra Peterson. <laughs> I mean, Peterson. they're both real hot. Let's just they're say they're both yeah, real but hot. But I recognized her, but I I couldn't place where we had where I had seen her before. Mm-hmm. Elvira, I, that's Elvira. Yeah. Oh my God, really? Yeah. No wonder she looks so goddamn familiar with those huge boobs. Yeah, yeah I've seen those. I yeah, know, I know. I know those boobs. She was great. She's 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 great. Wow, hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Elvira is a national treasure and should have an entire museum dedicated to just her because she is a fantastic person and awesome and probably we wouldn't even be talking about bad movies if it wasn't for her. Yeah, I got my start watching her at night, so I mean, yeah, yeah. What, 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 Jackie? Okay, you just wanted to talk about her boobs. <laughs> I mean, let's go. Let's put this to the test. Are we taking Elvira's boobs or Dolly Parton's boobs? Oh, Dolly Parton. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's that song, "Hard Candy Christmas." It gets me every time. Like, yes, I do want to suck your hard candy Christmases. That doesn't make nipples, sense. nipples, my friends, right. nipples. No, I think she's giving me a hard candy Christmas in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> One of those peppermint sticks. <laughs> suck it into the shape of a spear. What? <laughs> what? What a weirdo. Are you shmarma? Because you say a bunch of mumbo jumbo sometimes. Okay. All right. Okay. So, yeah, there's two hot queens that rule over this place. Uh, I don't know how that works. And I think that they're sisters. Is that right? Yes. I don't know. Any chance at a three-way? Uh, And... uh. They Silva Aegon demands that they go to trial uh, for killing the lion because it's a sacred beast. And they're like, dude, we saved a kid's life. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, and court it, at this place is the rules are very loose. Um, and I guess Aegon is the bailiff because he's like time to die and opens up a portal or a hole in the ground that leads to his gold melting p- facility and they Jesse almost falls in and Quartermain saves her while she still holds on to an apple for some reason. Uh, okay. But also in this scene, we know now why uh, we didn't kill Swarmy. Because they push him forward as a sacrifice. Right? Like, yeah, take this dude. He's dirty and Who gross. Who is it that killed the lion? And James Earl Jones pushed Swarma in front of him when he had nothing to do with that. This man must die, says James Earl Jones. You gotta, you gotta really, you can't, like I was saying, he's dead weight, lose him now at the volcano. No, you gotta keep your party together and you can't get rid of any of your companions. 
And if you have an evil travel companion, you keep him around just for this reason. Like, okay, there's really no other way around this other than to not only lighten our load and really clean up the, the team profile here. So, sorry, bud, you're out. Yeah, we also practice human sacrifice. Swarma, it's your time. Um, all right, so uh, Aegon then gets pissed and chucks a spear at Quartermain, and it bounces off his mithril shirt, and he's like, you are either a god or devil. I don't know which. I'm out. I'm going to my chambers. And so the blonde queen's like, hey, you guys seem cool. Come on, hang out in our town. Live here as long as you want. Uh, I'll even set you up with a sweet hotel room and people to uh, give you new clothes and bathe you. Except for Swarma. Except for Swarma. He does not get a bath. <laughs> and they're also, no. hey, Sharon, son, we've got lots of loose white garments and we just don't have any bras. We're sorry. Yeah, we're sorry. We've only got giant bras and Cassandra's taken all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we wish she didn't have any, goddammit. <laughs> Meanwhile... Aegon is dipping dudes in molten gold. Uh, he's making statues out of people. Uh, it's not cool, bro. He's. This is Henry Silva. All of what you get with Henry Silva in 20 seconds. Yeah. The face, yep. he's doing the slow, methodical physical acting with the pulling of the rope, but his face is like electric and moving a million miles an hour at the same time. And at the end of it, he just goes, yeah, he's, he's maniacally, maniac, maniacally making golden statues. What a weirdo. You know, you'd think that he would get more specific though, with his directions. Like, Hey, don't just put your hands above your heads. Like everybody else. I does. Know, like every fucking statue. Like, hold on to this cup and we're going to dip you in. I mean, you can't escape it. You might as well look nice when you're done. Yeah, like, could you do like a hero pose, maybe? Like, like think of David. Uh, yeah. You know, get one of those. Maybe, maybe we'll dip some ladies in here, too. Maybe we could get like some sexy poses from them. Yeah, it's going to hurt. You may as well look good when you come out of it. Remember, right. Phil? He did the Heisman. He looks great <laughs> up there. We got uh, Christian Ronaldo right over there. He looks pretty bad, but, uh, you know, hey, it was him. Uh, His hammy was bum again. It's just weird how every time that happens with him when he's on TV. Okay. Uh, so Swarmer comes in, and he teams up with uh, Aegon, uh, wants to trade some gold for some secrets, and later he grabs uh, Quartermain's gun and his mithril shirt. So that's not good. Meanwhile, barbar barbarians have arrived, and I guess these guys guard the border, the only open border that, that somebody could get to the Lost City of Gold, implying that somebody, there's a border, and people are trying to get in, implying that they know that the Lost City of Gold is over there, thus not very lost. So well, they went through all that stalactite bullshit for nothing. Right. <laughs> they have, a, like, a really intense under ground black market gold trading thing like there should be kind of a lot of people that know where this is it's like wakanda is a better kept secret by a lot like not how you do lost city of gold guys you've got treaties and border patrol and yeah, like all of it well you You're, know the thing is is that they don't have the technology that wakanda does right like they have nanobites that can heal you and make you fucking awesome. Right, but they've got unlimited gold. So maybe also, they can buy, buy some shit. Their 
temple is clearly visible from hundreds of miles away in every direction. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's, in fact, it's on uh, the Google Maps, Rand McNally Atlas. Lost <laughs> <laughs> City of Gold here. Um, okay. All right. So, barbarians have arrived, and the main barbarian then has a man off in the middle of town with Alan Quartermain of head smashing stuff. Rocks. Rocks. That, like, you are here. Let us bash rocks against our heads. What? Who the fuck are you? Why are you challenging me to a headbutting man off? Because he's got big antlers. Well, I know, but why Quartermain? And he's got the hairiest fucking arms I've ever seen on a human being. Oh, he's a barbarian. It's not real hair, Jackie. I know, but it was gross. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess they think he's uh, Tuvu, the devil, so they have to, like, make sure he's tough. And this guy can break rocks on his head. So then Quarterman's like, oh, you want to see some rocks blow up? And he blows up a stone bench with what do you guess what dynamite? Yeah. There's the dynamite. Finally. Yeah. And, And nobody's like, dude. That was where I sit and read and drink my tea in the morning. Are you going to pay for that? <laughs> yeah, also, nobody's like, my eye! Some of that white stand- sandstone is lodged in the side of my skull. Yeah. Mm, I you just made a giant shrapnel grenade out of that <laughs> bench. So the Bond Queen, she enlists him to use his magical powers and break this altar that I guess Henry Silva put in to represent the need to keep out the no demon? sacrifice this is the sacrifice table okay but only a god can break it and yeah. if they break it that means no more sacrifices except for he can still dip people in molten gold mm-hmm. downstairs so i don't think it really does anything so but there's a word for it though savannah what back me up here sam savannah what about it that's the word that they all chant why he's getting oh. ready to break the table. And then the Elsa looking queen is like, yeah, that means no more slavery or no more sacrifice. Except for downstairs. Well, they don't know that that shit's happening. It's not like they're out there like, they- hey, do you need a new garden gnome? I've got Frank that I just did. There's like 70,000 people down there working on moving gold in and out jackie everybody knows about the molten gold statues swarma just gets like stumbles upon this room they know that he's dipping people in gold you can't hide that shit now everybody knows yeah now everybody knows all right so he doesn't even blow up the altar he just is like uh snuffle up i guess you want to handle this one and he just smashes it with his axe implying nobody tried to just break this thing well, he's you really have... strong, though. Well, I know, but like only a god can break this altar, uh, or just a good sharp axe. Well, one, they don't have any weapons, and two, I didn't see a single fat person in this town that could test the weight levels mm. of this table. Okay, he, I mean, right. you know, he might not be a god, but he is Darth Vader and Jack Ryan's boss. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then Aegon joins up with the barbarians. He's like, I've been thrown out of my own temple. I guess I can't make molten people anymore. Let's go to war. Uh, Let's bring in the Asahi guys. Uh, They can team up with us. We've got Smarma here. He's got a mithril vest. Uh, It's looking good. And the gun. Oh, and a gun. Yeah, here you go, barbarian guy. Have fun with this pistol. No, it's not a flute. 
Oh, my God. Yeah, when he blows into it, I'm like, he's going to blow his own head off. That's where this is going. No, it doesn't go in your butt either. That's <laughs> <laughs> not where that goes. All right. So the townies have now got Quartermain telling them to get some gold. We're going to make some weapons out of gold because we got a shit ton of it. That's all we got. So they've got all new stuff. And then I guess Alan Quartermain finds a bunch of mithril v- shirts down there, too. I kind of expected at this point for Sharon Stone to come out in like a mithril bikini, a, not a dress, like a like a toga type of thing. Like, like I gotta slave, keep you safe, slave Leia type outfit. You know no, what I mean? no, no, just a dress. Huh. Anyway, go what, on. What about topless? <laughs> Any of that? Any of that happen? No. Just just pasties. Yeah, just pasties. And, uh, gold, mithril gold pasties, pasties, though. And mithril it's pasties. It's hard to not aim at the nipple when you're throwing spears at someone in mithril pasties. <laughs> the perfect deflector. All right, so uh, outside, they're chucking fireballs inside. They got a battering ram. They're climbing up on ladders. Uh, and the Asahi guys, they end up getting up on top and retreating because everybody's now got mithril vests on. And so they think that they're all white devils. And they are. Um, But the doors get forced open. The barbarian guys come running in with Aegon on a chariot. And uh, at this point, things have really gotten loose with this screenplay because Alan Quartermain becomes Thor here. Yeah. Um, He has... Snuffleupagus toss his axe up and then starts chopping into the head of the lion, which creates enough lightning to melt the gold, thereby nearly trapping Smaug. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, 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 I don't know where the lightning is coming from. I don't know it, how who thought that a bunch of lightning on an axe when you hit it against gold would cause lightning and that lightning would cause gold to melt. It None of this makes any goddamn sense. It is bizarre. One of the weirdest decisions I've ever seen in filmmaking. Hey, but you could do it at Culver City without spending a whole lot. Well, yeah, there's that. There's a but lot I mean, of shots of just drippy gold water. Drippy gold water, yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of Sorceress, the end scene with the, the two floating disembodied head lady and weird lion thing. Like, what is the climax of this movie? What is happening? I have no idea. At this point, it's just business. Yeah. Because everybody's... How... Go ahead, Jackie. Everybody's rushing in, right, to try to kill these... Uh, people are are heroines, mm-hmm. but then they just keep getting goldified, and yeah. it's like, dude, eventually you've got to figure out use the guy's body or as a shield, or stand over there, or the battle is lost. Just fuck off. Yeah, or just fuck off. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, so then Quartermain busts into the temple because the barbarian king's in there, and he's about to kill the ladies. And so Quartermain flies down uh, the gong to much hilarity. <laughs> he belly flops into the skylight. Uh-huh. And then you can see the strings as he's 
gently glided towards the gong to hold on. It's pretty funny. Uh, and then he fights the Barbarian King, and the portal, there, the hole in the floor opens up, leaving the Barbarian King straddling it, or whatever you want to call that. And then the busty queen gets thrown on top of him, the Barbarian King, and they yeah. both fall to their demise. Sharon Stone does some like martial art business, but then Cassandra Peterson's like, oh, I'm going to flip out of it. But then she lands straddling the guy mm -hmm. and she's like, "Woo, fun ride. But then it doesn't work. And yeah, they, Quartermain lightly blows on both of yeah, them they, and they, they fall they to their deaths. They won't fall in. So he, <laughs> they blow. that's so dumb. I, my note is seriously shenanigans in, ensue to death. Yeah. Um, all right. So now he's got to have a rubber sword fight with Aegon because that's still got to get dealt with. And then Aegon himself gets gilded by just standing in molten gold. Just standing there. Yep, not the smartest tool nope. in the shed. You know, I play video games and I want to say that people wouldn't do this, but you'd be surprised how many people just stand in my fucking grenades. <laughs> that's like I was just going to stand in my grenade. All right. All right. All right. Well, that's how Aegon goes, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, his name is Aegon, the name of a Targaryen. And literally, another Targaryen gets gilded in the same way. It's This is just Game of Thrones, guys. I all just... Where, yeah. Why this stuff gets borrowed from all the time is just... I have no idea. Well, I think R.R. Martin, <laughs> George... Old Georgie borrowed from this movie. That's what I'm Egg saying. Like, you got, yeah. there's just. Why huh. would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? Okay. Uh, and then Swarma's punishment for all his betrayal is seriously just taking a bath. Yep. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. They kiss <laughs> and say <laughs> on to the next adventure and credits. Yeah. Which leads you to believe that the next adventure would have been in America somewhere yeah. during their wedding. Wedding slash honeymoon or right before. And it just wasn't so. And it fucking breaks my heart. Yeah, mine too. All right, which leads me to my first question. Uh, if we were to write the next quarter main movie, what stinker madness movie that we've done an episode on would you send Alan Quartermain to? Like, because this is, you know, King Solomon's Wines, that's, you know, a, 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 a you know, mythical location, the lost city of gold, yada, it's basically El Dorado in Africa. Yada, yada. Where would you, where would we send him? Congo? Uh, Beast, Dar, Predator. Dar, Dar's world. <laughs> we didn't do an episode on Predator. We would never do an episode. Oh, we did Predator an episode two. on Predator 2. Yeah. So we'd send him to LA? Fuck yeah. no. No, that'd be great. Alan Quartermain in the lost city of Predator 2. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hard pass. Um, what about Alan Quartermain versus like Jaws three, like a bunch of sharks? No, no, there's no treasure. Well, there could be, there's pirate treasure at the bottom of the ocean. You know, he's got to go down there. No, underwater shit always sucks. Even if he's in a submarine. That's, no, no, don't like that. Um, Alan Quartermain in space. No. Jason X. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> Sam, you got any ideas? 
We haven't done it yet, but we could do League. You could send him to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, even though he's already in it. But have like oh, better yeah. Alan Quartermain. Right. Yeah. There we go. That then maybe the movie wouldn't suck so bad. Maybe Be fun. We should have brought Chamberlain, <laughs> but he probably said no. Yeah. Right. I don't know why Sean Connery said yes. I don't know either. That movie sucks so hard. I liked it. Really? All right. Well, you have full permission to make it an episode because it's that bad. It's, it's that tasty. bad. Um. Hey, questions? Anybody? I have a question. Okay. I only have one this time. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you not give Cassandra Peterson a line or cut all her lines if you gave them to her? How? Right. Yeah. Yeah, because she says nothing the she entire says film. Nothing, and she's clearly supposed to be villainous. Uh, yeah, that's that's not cool. Yeah, and like, how do you not have her take her top off? Really? Well, because well, she it's doesn't. A movie. That's the thing. That's she. She left it for the imagination, her whole life, and I guess no. it worked out because we've all been she, imagining this whole time. You are quite incorrect, sir. She was in Playboy. Oh, that's right. Really? I've seen I those knockers. Looked that up. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it's a family movie, Jackie. But like, also, how about more of both her and Silva? Like, the front end. Like, have the villains be in the movie the whole time? Maybe I don't know. Nah. I, think you have a situation from the studio standpoint that I'm sure that once they start redirecting the project, they want more of everybody that's just in this, but you're only allowed to leave so much of that on the floor that they already paid for and shot. So they had to integrate as much of the Zimbabwe footage as possible. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Jackie, got any questions? Are you too drunk? You had five beers during the period of this podcast. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any questions. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. All right, I'm going to move on to final recommendations here. Uh, Sam, let's leave you last because it's your movie. I'll go first. Uh, I really liked this more the second time I saw it. The uh, first time I thought I was disappointed because it's not the same tone uh, as the first one. But I, it's not as fitting in stinker madness is the other one for sure there's some decent stuff that happens in this movie especially with the use of the camera um it's a lot less silly um it's kind of an interesting idea it just of course goes far canon in the middle of it uh and the end uh and uh i i just really like it i i can't really explain why because there's no banana business but there's just this nice feeling to it the entire time that I like. Jackie? I will agree that it wasn't as campy as the first yeah. one. But it still has a lot of charm and a lot of spark. And maybe it's just because I like Richard Chamberlain. No, it's not. Um, But it was a fun time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm totally going to give it a do. Sammy? I think that the chemistry is why the thing you're, both of you are unable to put your finger on quite exactly why you like it more than now that you've seen them both twice. We fell in love with those two falling in love with each other. And it's the one thing that really works in these two films. The second one is a superior film to the first in terms of its production and its tightness, Uh but it's not nearly as, as ridiculous and zany to watch so that it brings it down a little bit, but the, the getting there to the, too bad there's not a third one, but we got enough because of this one, and that's why you really like it. I really like it. 
I I might actually like this one better than the first one now that I've seen them both I might twice. Too. Uh, I might too. It's really weird. It's really weird. It's the same exact reason why all three of us like Fifty Shades of Grey by the time we got to the end of it. Yeah. At the beginning yeah. of it, it was like, we have to do this, and it's stupid. But by the end, we're like clapping and throwing popcorn around. Like, yay, this is so dumb, <laughs> and they're idiots. <laughs> um, which leads to the most important question we could ever ask. Uh, which is a better duology, the Alan Quartermains or the Duncan Jacks? I Duncan Jacks is better for me. I'm just going to say that right now. Okay. Uh, Quartermain are better for me. Yeah, I'm going to not help us at all because I'm on the fence. I don't know. Like mm. they're both so good. Like we don't I I don't know. They're if you're out no there and you have when all this covid bullshit's over and you can have friends at your house and it's all streaming, if you could line up the stars and waste a whole day on movies, the double duology would be a great screening session. Yep, it would be great. Uh, that's that's fun times. Um, all right, uh, next episode is Jackie's pick. What are we doing? I already forgot too. <laughs> the the Cartier affair. Oh yeah, the Cartier affair, starring David Hasselhoff and who the fuck else was in that? Uh, Joan Collins. Um. Some other important people. Charles Napier. Oh, yeah. Oh. Always, yeah, I always like him. Uh, God damn it. I fucking hate how IMDb, like, you can't stay on something on IMDb. It always backs you out. Uh, Ed Lauder, you know who he is if you yeah. saw his face. Um, somebody else fucking big is in that. Um, Telly Savalas is in it. So uh, check that out. It's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, so there you go. Uh, have a good week, guys. Get to the chopper.